Good morning, St. Michael's. Please stand. Heavenly Father, we come before you today joyful. We come before you with open hearts, Lord. We come before you expectant for you to move. Lord, just fill your place with with your presence as we enter your gates with praise. Let our praise be your welcome. Let our songs be a sign. We are here for you. Yes, we are here for you. Let your
all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry and I humbly repent for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. Have mercy on me and forgive me that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution, remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of His Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory be to God on high, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. We praise Thee, we bless Thee, we worship Thee, we glorify Thee. We give thanks to Thee for Thy great glory. O Lord God, Heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that taketh away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. Thou that sitteth at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For Thou only art holy, Thou only art the Lord, Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen.
Yours. 
Because without you, we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
This morning's first reading comes from Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of God, of, your, of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid. For am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. The word of the Lord. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 103, and we'll say it responsively by the asterisk. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who satisfies your mouth with good things? The Lord executes righteousness. He made known his ways to Moses. The Lord is merciful and gracious. He will not always strive with us. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. For as the heavens are high above the earth, as far as the east is from the west, as a father pities his children, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Our New Testament lesson this morning is taken from Romans chapter 14, verse 9, commencing. For to this end Christ died and rose. And lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. 
and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant said, fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt, all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you, from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. You may be seated. That's a powerful gospel lesson. I kind of wish I could preach on that. (laughs) There's so much there. Forgiveness is such a difficult thing when you've been wrong. Rightfully, wrongfully, however, when you feel hurt or someone sinned against you, it's so difficult. And this message was just so powerful. Um, Remember that forgiveness as I go into my story. We have started on a series called The Discernment Toolbox. Um, Father Lewis, uh, Deacon Jesse, myself have been spending Fridays kind of honing in on this message. And we just, it's something we recognize in the world today, it's important. But within the church, it's really important. Now, I've used that one phrase, it's important, 
He said I could only use it once, no more than that. I, I fall on that too much. Um, but I thought Father Lewis did a great job last week. It was, it was a message introducing discernment, but it was kind of one of those tip of the iceberg kind of messages. There was so much more there that you could dig into. And the hope is, is that this week and the next couple of weeks when uh, Deacon Jesse gets to preach, we're going to unpack some of the stuff that Father Lewis mentioned. Um, but I know that not everybody was there. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to do a little recap. So I want to go through this here. And I, I know you guys, I appreciate your prayers. Last week we had a little scare. Gavin had a temperature when he woke up Sunday morning. So we thought, got to be careful. So me and the boys left and weren't here at the 10 o'clock. But we watched it at home. And I, I, I can attest that the, the broadcast quality does, uh, they do a very good job. And I was very pleased with that. That's the first time I had really watched uh, the broadcast. Usually I'm on this side. <laughs> so it was very good to, to watch it. And I thought Father Lewis did a great job. But he told an interesting story. And it... It included me because I was there. So I get to share my side. Well, just a recap. Let's say that way. Father Lewis told a crazy story about a fight he had with his wife, Debbie. And how after seven years, he realized that she was a liar in a rap. And since he was the king, she needed to straighten up, get that part of Egypt out of her, and live within the boundaries that he had laid out for her. Okay. If anybody actually believes that, then we need to talk. Because <laughs> that is not what he said. But if you weren't paying close attention, there was a lot of phrases in there, a lot of concepts in there that he did mention. And you might actually think, is that what he said? If you didn't know Father Lewis and especially Debbie, then you might actually believe that, well, maybe there's something there. Matter of fact, if I was a major media outlet, I might even publish a story like that. Because we see that every day. People take the truth, the story, what happened, and they twist it to fit their narrative. If I wanted to destroy Father Lewis's ministry, that would be an easy thing for me to do, to take what he said, twist it up, and put it out there. And you've got to think, well, maybe there's something to it. King Louis III. <laughs> yeah, it's not true. That's not what happened. But we'll go into that more. This deception, taking the truth and twisting it, Taking something that's all this and just adding just a little bit to it or twisting a little bit. That is one of the major tools of the enemy trying to lie to us. And he does it inside the church. He does it outside the church. He does it all the time. And you have to recognize that. And that's why we thought this series was so important. To set the story straight, that's not what Father Lewis said. And since I was actually there in this discussion, uh, I can honestly say that Debbie is not a liar. And she is not a rat. I've known her since I was a teenager, believe it or not. I realized when I was thinking about it that I've known Lewis and Debbie for almost four decades. And that's because we started when we were in junior high, right? I don't, it was actually at the academy. And so, uh, but they've been good friends of mine. And I, I actually lived with them for a little while. But this was before I lived with them. And there was something going on. And, and as Father Lewis mentioned, They've been married about seven years, and there's little bumps and little things you're trying to sort out. And there's something that they had been discussing between themselves before I was there. And then I show up, and they're in the midst of this discussion, and I just happen to be there at the moment that it culminated in this final, aha. And that's what it was. Something was said, and Father Lewis is like, that's a lie. All of a sudden, they realized that both of them had believed something that wasn't true, but it took them hammering it out and back and forth. I mean, there were tears. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> I wanted to leave. 
But it was important because they recognized this lie. What, what the half-truth was that it seeped in and they had to deal with it. And when they got to the root of the problem, it just made... I mean, they're very smart people. This is something that, you know, they weren't just being goofy. This was something that the enemy, very subtle, someone, something seemingly unimportant, and yet it was causing all this anxiety and all this trouble. But as soon as they identified what that half-truth, that lie was, they were able to disarm it. And then you can see in their family, in their, their whole thing was, you know, they, they, they were able to move on in peace. And Lewis said, it was over. But... You had to walk it out. And there was emotions that were calmed. Fears that were allayed. Anxiety was put at peace. Strength was restored. And they were in a much better place. I, on the other hand, I was a little bit scarred, a little traumatized. I had to walk it out myself. But I learned a very valuable lesson. Truth matters. And it matters more than hurt feelings. Remember the banner phrase that Father Lewis said that kind of overrides all this is um, Romans 13.10. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does no harm. If you take that at its face value, you think, well, then what was Lewis doing? He hurt his wife's feelings. Someone he loved dearly. But the reality is this encounter does not contradict this principle. It was more important to deal with that lie. It would have done more harm to the both of them to let that lie continue. Yeah, like I said, Debbie's not a liar. She's not a rat. The enemy, the devil, he is a liar. Is, was, and will continue to be. And he is a rat, just to put that nicely. That was a safer word to say than what we wanted to say. And Lewis was angry at the devil, not at Debbie. And while it was an uncomfortable conversation, and it often is, our, our rector's council meetings often are uncomfortable. I don't know that we're crying, but <laughs> it's difficult to hammer these things out and to figure it out. And then all of a sudden you get to the end and you're like, that's what God's saying. Now I get it. But people have got their own emotions, their own you know, baggage that they carry. You've got to work through these things. This, these these uh, half-truths. They can creep in almost subconsciously, and they cause immeasurable harm to relationships, destroying your faith, make you vulnerable to even more lies, more tricks of the enemy. That's why it's so important to deal with those things. In the medical field, I've noticed a correlation. My wife's a nurse. I asked her about this. Um, this is just an example, right? If you are out running around and you step on a rusty nail, okay, this is a bad thing. You know this as a kid. But if you don't deal with it, if you don't go in and clean that wound and scrub it out, which is painful, if you don't go and get the antibiotics on it, and if you don't treat it properly and go get a tetanus booster if necessary, that wound will almost guarantee get infected. And if you don't deal with that, that infection will get worse. And I didn't realize this, but tetanus is actually, uh, it's uncurable. And if you get it, there's a 10 to 20% chance you'll die. Tetanus is not a good thing. You've got to deal with that wound at the time it happens. Go to the doctor, get it clean. And it's, the thing is, cleaning it out is painful. I've seen, if you have a, a splinter and you want to get it out, Mia will get that splinter out. But she doesn't care if it hurts. I've seen it at, at church picnics when the, the mom brings the kid over. And she goes, he's got a splinter. And she goes, okay, hold him down. 
I'm like, what do you mean holding down? I said, I'm getting a splinter out. They've got to get it out. Otherwise, it'll get infected and get a problem. And the kid's going to scream and cry. But it's, it's um, the phrase I put is, the alternative, though, is much worse than this light and momentary affliction. And that's what this is sometimes. This hurt feelings that Debbie went through was, you know, not pleasant. But the alternative was much worse. And that's so important for us to recognize. Believing a lie or even just not dealing with it, it's worse than stepping on a nail. You often don't have any immediate pain and there's probably no blood, but it will grow. And it will fester. And it will start affecting other areas of your life. It will spread. And the enemy is going to use it as a stronghold. And that's what would have happened here. The enemy could have used that as a stronghold to cause a lot more problems. In 2 Corinthians 10... Verses 4 and 5, we hear St. Paul say, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Folks, you know this, but you often forget the battles in the mind. Our battle is not with the people standing around us. It's in the mind. Now, there are people that the enemy uses against us sometimes, hopefully not within the church, but, you know, the enemy uses things like that. But the battle really is in the, That's where our, and it's spiritual things that we have to fight against. God wants us to be free from these lies, the lies of the devil, the little whispers and the little deceptions, the things he whispers in your ear. You know, that person's really, you know, whatever he whispers about you that you don't, maybe they... They give you kind of a funny look, and you're thinking, well, why is he mad at me? What's he Man, he's sort of being mean to me. Well, he may have just had gas. It may not have been you at all, you know? But the enemy will whisper in your ear and use any opportunity to cause this, uh, division, discord, disunity. That's what his whole goal is. Hebrews 12.1, and I'll read this just briefly. This is one of our favorite scriptures. I think every sermon we got to have it in here just because we love it so much. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, in this place we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. One, yourself, but also we've got the saints who are watching us. And we've got icons and stained glass windows. They're here and they're witnessing what, what's going on. And it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us or ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Why let something hold you back? Why let the enemy entangle your life? Now, Lewis described this last week, that this discernment is the ability to skillfully tell the difference between good and evil, right and wrong, the truth and lies, and to do it in the face of adversity. And then he talked about some tools that God's given us. I'm going to go over these quickly. These were ones that he, he, he went over it last week. We'll probably hear more about it as we go forward. Uh, but I'm going to give you the rule. I think that Katie's got it for us up there with the scripture that he kind of backed it up with. Begin by living within the boundaries of God's will. Then the truth will set you free. Now, in John 8, 31 through 32, we always know this. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. As Lewis pointed out, there is an if statement before that. If you abide in my word, 
You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth. Abiding in the word of God is so important. And in John 15, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. This whole concept of abiding in the Lord, in the Lord Jesus. And, and later on in John 15, he says, if you abide in me, you'll obey my commandments. Just as I obey the commandments of my Father and I abide in his love. We're trying to mimic the life of Christ. And if you abide in him, that means you need to obey his commandments. That's what he says. These boundaries that I jokingly refer to as King Louis' boundaries, these are the boundaries that God has given us to help us. And if you're living in sin, you're going to have a hard time figuring out what's right and wrong. You start muddying the waters. Your mind gets a little confused. That's why you don't let that stuff linger. You don't make place for the flesh. You don't, you don't let that stay. Begin by living within the boundaries of God's will. Number two, train yourself to recognize the tricks of the enemy. That rat. In Hebrews 5, 13 and 14, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The writer of Hebrews is talking to us. You need to use the gifts that God's given you. You need to use the tools that God's given you so you can learn and become more trained in discerning right and wrong. There is a gift of discernment. We recognize that in the, in, the, in the Bible, in the list of spiritual gifts. I think my wife has that gift of discernment. I can't put anything past her. The other thing, well, there's, there's more to that, but that's a gift. She still has to exercise that gift to make it even stronger and better and be able to use it. But for those who don't have the gift, there are tools that we're talking about here that you can use to become better at discerning right from wrong. And that's, that's why we're sharing these. It's so important for you to exercise the use of these tools. Abide in the Word. Get in the Scriptures. Learn what the Scripture says. That way when somebody says something, you're like, no, actually in John it says this. And that helps you to discern. And we'll get more to that as we get further in. And number three of Father Lewis's tools of discernment. Stand on the promises of God so that you can fight well against the enemy. Second Peter 1, in the beginning, it says that he's been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. You need to know that God has promised to be with us. That's a good thing. And I'm going to talk about it in my, I kind of overlap a little bit in the tools that I bring. But you need to know these promises. That God has promised so many things for us. And you need to stand on those promises. Because part of the lies of the enemy is that God's not going to do that for you. You said, no, he's promised. For two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I with them also. Guys, he's here. He's promised it. Stand on it. Don't be distracted or let the enemy lie to you. Number four, don't be conformed to this world. Romans 12, 1 and 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you do that? Read the word. We talked about that. Take heed what you feed yourself. Because... It's easy to feed yourself a lot of junk. It's everywhere out there. Social media, movies, TV shows. Now that the movie theaters are open, you can go back and feed yourself with some garbage. You don't have to, though. You need to take heed what you feed yourself. Garbage in, garbage out. Those are important things. That's why this, this tool is so important. Don't be conformed to the world. Okay? Those are the first four. Now... I want to add a couple 
And this is where I'm really wanting to, to dig in a little bit. Number five, God wants you to know the truth and to prosper. You've got to have faith in God that he does exist. You need to have faith in his plan and know that he has a plan for you and that there is truth. There is absolute truth. You need to know that. And you need to believe it. And you need to know and believe that he wants, not only that he exists, but he wants you to know him. He wants you to know his plan. He wants you to know the truth. That's his desire. He doesn't want you walking. He's not a judge trying to trick you up. That's the enemy. The enemy's the trickster. He's the liar. In Jeremiah 29, verses 11 and 13, and I know you guys have heard this, but the whole passage here is so powerful, so I'm going to read it for you. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God wants to be found. He's not hiding. Now, sometimes it's more difficult. Sometimes we have things in our life that we've got to deal with. And sometimes God, you know, if you will, pulls back a little bit because there's a little, maybe he's testing to see if you're going to stay in faith. He's not going to be like standing there holding your hand the whole way. You've got to learn to walk in the promises and the principles that God's given you. But he wants to be found. He wants to be known. And he will reveal himself. That's how you know absolute truth. Because you're not smart enough to figure it all out yourself. But God reveals it to us. And that's such a great thing. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I love that. You've got to believe he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The original lie that you find in the Garden of Eden is that God was a liar and that he doesn't want, God, doesn't want good for you. That's how it all started. So you're going to find that a lot. There's a lot of, what would you call them, heresies that are rooted in that lie. Okay, next tool, probably my favorite been my life's testimony, and I'll, I'll get more into that. But the next one is have good friends. Have good friends. Do you know how important that is? The Scripture says, and I'm jumping ahead here, but the Scripture says, don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Bad company corrupts good habits. And, but he starts it with, don't be deceived. What an interesting thought. That's part of the deception. The enemy will let you have bad friends if you want. And then, let, me, let me go back to Ephesians. <laughs> like I said, I jumped ahead for a second. Ephesians 4, 14 and 15. St. Paul is writing a letter to the Ephesians, and he tells them, and there's more to this, but I just want to focus on this, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things, into him who is the head in Christ. God wants you to grow up. But when you have good friends, 
they're willing to speak the truth in love. Often one of the most difficult things to, that you have to do. Um, one of the greatest stories, and this is my, my uh, Bishop Adler, when he was had joined with the other church, there were some things that he was dealing with. And uh, there was a, a complaint against somebody said something about him. And I don't remember what it was. And he goes, well, Doug, you don't think that's true? And he goes, no, it is true. But I still love you anyway. He was willing to speak the truth in love. And Bishop Adler said, I'd never had anyone willing to speak the truth in love that bluntly and on that level. And it made a huge difference. It helped set him free. And that was, that's a great testimony. But that's what we do as friends. When your friend is starting to miss it a little bit, you say, hey, you think maybe that's a good idea or maybe not a good idea? Maybe you shouldn't be doing that. You know, and that's what friends do for each other. Um, in this Ephesians passage that Paul's talking about, he's talking about in the church. And the next part of it talks about everybody does their part. We all have different gifts. Mia has a great gift of discernment. If you have a problem with some area, you go talk to her. She'll say, well, what I discern is because the reality is not everything is easily discerned. Some things are spiritually discerned. In the, um, no, not Hebrews. There's another scripture that I have written here somewhere that it says that um, natural man doesn't get it because some things are only spiritually discerned. Is it up there? No. I can't remember if I wrote it down. I thought I did somewhere, but I, I don't find it. <laughs> That's okay. You know it's there. You've heard the scripture. And you know it's the principle. That's why having good friends that are like-minded believers is so important. And we've dealt with that with friends. We've dealt with that with our children. Who are you hanging out with? If they're not a believer, then you've got a problem. Because there's going to be uh, an avenue that the enemy can use to cause problems. And that's the thing that's so important. It, you know, that could happen even within the church with a believer. Believers can be deceived. I understand that. But your chances go way up if you're hanging out with someone who's not a believer. Let's work with the odds here. <laughs> Stick with people who at least know who Jesus Christ is and should believe the same thing. Okay? That's why it's important. Don't, um, don't waver about getting sidetracked by half-truths and the other wiles of the enemy. The thing is, the enemy knows our blind spots. He knows our weaknesses. He's watched us. And his whole goal, especially because we're the enemy for him, if you're not in church and you're out floating around, he may not be so concerned with you. You're already distracted. But if you're here in the church, he's focused on tripping you up. And he knows areas that you have blind spots. We all have blind spots. There's some areas in sports that I have some blind spots. I think I'm still true and right, but uh, it's, the NFL started today, so that's that's... I promised I wouldn't bring that into the story too much. So, um, but we need people who we can trust. In my life, and, and Jesse pointed this out. He said, this is one of your great testimonies. Everywhere I've gone, I've made it a point to get plugged into a church and to find friends that I can trust. Pastors who will be willing to tell me the truth. And that saved me immeasurable hours of agony and pain and, and mistakes. At the academy, I remember going there, and I was just like trying to find a church somewhere. Now, you're limited. You can't go so far. And then they had a Bible study. I'm like, hey, a Bible study. Maybe that'll do it. I can go there. So I went to a Bible study for a week or two. It was okay. I mean, they were teaching the Bible, but it was just, I wanted more. 
And then I heard a friend of mine says, hey, there's this church out in town. They'll come pick you up, and you can go out there on Sundays. That was January 1983. So I did and met Lewis and Debbie. That's where we met. And I found a church family that I plugged into and stayed there. And then I found people I could trust. And that has been my pattern everywhere I've gone. And there's been times when you go out on the ship and stuff like that where I don't have a lot of really good friends like I would want. And you, but I sure don't go hang out with some of the other guys that are going out drinking. Not that drinking alcohol is bad. Drinking to excess, that's bad. And most of these guys, they were drinking to excess. So I didn't go out and hang out with them. You know, it was my choice. I stayed in my, my uh, cabin on the ship, stateroom. And uh, you feel a little lonely sometimes, but boy, it was sure worth it to not go out and do something stupid. Because I had friends of mine who went out and did things stupid. And they were friends. They weren't the close friends like I'm talking about. But you need to surround yourself with good friends. Amen? Okay, last thing. I found that scripture <laughs> somewhere here. But anyway, Charles Spurgeon is a famous preacher in the 19th century. Uh, the Prince of Preachers was his nickname. Over in London, he was uh, one of the main, I forget the name of it, some church for 31 years. He started preaching when he was 22 years old. And they would transcribe his sermons and put them out and publish them. Thousands and thousands and thousands. It was just crazy. He was very well gifted and called to the Lord. But he had this, this quote that just really struck me that is so important, such an important principle. Discernment is not a matter of simply telling the difference between what is right and wrong. Rather, it is the difference between right and almost right. The, the difference between right and almost right is sometimes razor thin. It's not so obvious that you can figure it out on your own. Why do you think Lewis and Debbie hammered this out over days of back and forth, back and forth, trying to figure out where's the problem, where's the issue, where's the lie? That's why the rector's council, sometimes we wrestle things out. And it's difficult. And you say something that makes obvious sense. Isn't this so obvious? And then you dig in, you're like, oh, no, it's not. There's more to this. That's why it's so important to get plugged in with friends. You have your own Blind spots, and you need to have friends, you need to have authority in your life, home group leaders and pastors. That's why it's important to help you to discern, because it's, it's easy to miss it. Let's look at the uh, Garden of Eden briefly, very briefly. God said, of every tree in the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you will not eat, for in that day that you eat of it you shall surely die. The serpent came back and said, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Well, he says, no, no, that's not what he said. Then she said something that was a little off also, but then he goes, God, you shall not surely die. That is a twofold lie. He just called God a liar, and he said, God doesn't have your best interest in mind. He doesn't want good for you. That's why I said that's the fundamental original lie. He spoke mostly truth, but he skillfully weaved in these lies persuade Adam and Eve to abandon the Spirit of God. The difference between departing error and truth is often that razor-thin edge. Anyway, the Holy Spirit, though, is with you. 
and will help you discern this stuff using Scripture, using your friend, your neighbor, your pastor, your home group leader, your wife, maybe even your children. You need to be willing to hear, and your whole desire is, Lord, I want to know what's the truth. I don't want to fall for any tricks. Remember the two lies. I'll close with this. The two, uh, the two lies. The two tools, just to remind you, God wants you to know the truth, and he wants you to prosper. And finally, have good friends. You need a good friend? Come see me. Amen? Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. Give to, to the departed eternal rest. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. Almighty God, to whom our needs are known before we ask, Help us to ask only what accords with your will in those good things which we dare not or in our blindness cannot ask. Grant us for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Peace, Lord, be always with you. Turn and don't touch. School announcements. Uh, Bishop Alfred is only one. Yeah. Well, it's good to be home. Karen and I uh, were over uh, caring for her mother this last week, and uh, boy, it's so strange to uh, travel during this time. But uh, gives you an interesting impression of different places you go. Some places everybody's wearing a mask. Other places nobody's wearing a mask. But uh, anyway, it's always good to be home. We had a, a terrible tragedy this weekend. Uh, Bishop uh, Dick Alcaraz, a very, very close friend of mine, years and years ago, the first time I traveled to the Philippines, uh, I was sent there. And he was a very, very young bishop at the time. And I was sent to his uh, Calibo, his island, in his house to uh, work with him a little bit. And uh, obviously we became very 
very good friends. He became the primate of the Philippines and their entire uh, communion, which is a part of the larger communion of the CEC. And uh, he got very, very sick. We're not quite sure what happened. Uh, might have been that coronavirus. But uh, he went to be with the Lord this weekend. And so uh, just remember his family. Still a very young man. But then again, I am too. So remember uh, Dick's family. Amen. Um, I'd like to encourage you to come out and be a part of society when you can as much as possible. We are feeding about 800 people a month now, mm-hmm. and so we get a lot of, we get a lot of uh, traffic through here on Mondays. Um, and unloading the van that brings all the food is, uh, is no longer... Uh, it's no longer one of my strengths, so uh, so if if you can come out, if you have a strong back and come out and help us, we'd appreciate it. It's a, it's a lot of uh, fun, and it's tremendously fulfilling, I'll tell you, to just come out here. And one of the interesting things about our society, it's the greatest impact we have on the uh, the outside world. Most of our workers are non-members, and... Uh, that is so cool. We meet all these neat people, and there are a lot of neighborhood people, a lot of people who come and receive from that ministry. But uh, it's just one of the ways that we at St. Michael's touch the world. There's so many ways. We have so many ministries around here we kind of take for granted, you know, oh, the society. But that is such a dynamic way that we're, we're reaching lives and touching lives. And if you come and you get involved, like Phil does, uh, you'll get to know these people. You have an opportunity to minister to them, and it's, it's just a very enriching experience. All right, as we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
appreciates and honors his faithfulness faithfulness and and uh, faithfulness is a key component in this uh, this series we're doing and our interaction with uh, between the the uh, clergy those who are doing the preachments and you you know the very word liturgy is that interaction it's the work of the people and so I want to really, really encourage you the, who are present and those who you watch us. Uh, you know, I, we have our church in Honolulu and our outpost in Oklahoma. And far and far between, we have people who plug in. I really want you to follow this. You, you may even want to take notes. This is a, a, a developmental thing that God is really doing. It's kind of like a SEAL school, you know. You've all been through basic training. We all know the ropes around here, but it's like God's asking us to just uh, really press in at a, at a little higher, deeper level. So I want to really encourage you to be intimately involved in these uh, teaching, even even to the point. In the old days, when we were doing a lot of spiritual warfare as a prophetic church, we uh, had the responsibility uh, w- w- with the eldership, what we now call the rector's council, our job was to pray. Remember, whether I was preaching or Bishop Adler was preaching, we were praying that that message would be unrestricted and that there wouldn't be a lot of distractions, that the message might be embedded in our people. That's how you create an army. And don't ever think that this isn't a war. And we're the army of God. We welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him even more. So I want you to come. You have much faith and you who may have little faith, you come and receive what the Lord wants to offer you. This is the Lord who's inviting you. And it's his will that those who want him should meet him right here. 
Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give thanks and praise. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we'll proclaim your mighty works, for you've called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in their unending hymn of praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you are holy indeed. The fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted. He took bread, he gave you thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Later, when supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks and praise. And he gave it to him, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ, Christ has died. Christ, Christ is risen. risen. And Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, the saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love, together with our patriarch Craig and all of our clergy. Especially we remember the sick. Lord, we pray this day for Olivia and Connie and Susan and Carl and Serena, Naomi and Rachel and Nadia and Kyle and Sonja, Sandra, Maria, Karen, our missionaries David and Darcy, Tammy and Thomas and Cade, the Covino family, Michael and Sherry and Kayla, the Barnes family and Dan the Oki family, the Alcaraz family. We pray and hold up Bishop Davidson. <coughs> we ask that you touch his heart. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, martyrs, and saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all our honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. 
Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah, Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you. And feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Body of Christ. Body of Christ.
going to preach another sermon, but <laughs> boy, I was fired up, you know, just like Eddie was saying, discernment's kind of my thing, and um, I've been really encouraging my kids, like, you've got to watch how much time you're spending on social media and listening to the news and listening to the people around you, and if you're having trouble finding peace in this crazy time that we're in, fill yourself up with the word and with the truth of God who's sitting on the throne it is in control right sometimes we forget that like we're going where is god with all this stuff going on around us this crazy year that we're having and i was reading the daily office today not not our sunday lessons but the daily office and psalm 29 is this great psalm about the glory of god and how powerful he is and at the end it says the lord sat enthroned at at the flood and the lord sits as king forever The Lord will give strength to his people, and the Lord will bless his people with peace. So if you're having trouble finding the strength that you need for each day, or finding the peace to help you sleep at night, you find that in God's word. Be encouraged by that. God is with us. He's still on the throne, no matter what we see going on around us. And he is our peace, who's broken down every wall. Amen. You know, I want to tell you too, what, uh, I really, Lord really confirmed it for me this morning, having been away just one Sunday, but just that one Sunday, there's a momentum building here, Lewis. It's real quiet right now. It's real quiet. And I, and I think it's almost, uh, almost like our series is preparatory. It's coming right along with that. But I'll tell you what, he's revving us up. He's revving us up. And one of the ways that I got a, a real sense and a picture of that is the girls. Man, they're, they're like, they're leading us. They're leading us. They are revving us up. And I, Lord, just bless you girls just so much for what you're doing and, and the price you're paying. See, people don't recognize how powerful worship is. How powerful worship. That's what made David the great David. And the Lord Jesus Christ came from the loins of David. But David was a worshiper. He danced naked before the Lord. He got so excited. Now, we don't want you to do that. We're not promoting it. We're not condoning it. But, but get a little excited. Because I tell you what, God's raising up an army. And you don't need an army unless you've got a battle to win. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Remember the gospel as you go out from this place. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling, reconciling, reconciling the world himself, not counting men's sins against them. It's almost hard to believe that as we watch what's going on here in our own country, just uh, tearing it down, ruining it, destroying it, the very fabric, burning the flag. But trust me, God's, God's there. God's everywhere. 
And He loves those people too. And he wants to bring reconciliation, and that's what our prayer needs to be. Not anger, but reconciliation. Know this, God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. And remain with you always. Amen. Let us go into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Thanks be to God. You are.